This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. A one, two, three, four. Thanks for listening to this podcast produced by Diddy TV. Visit DiddyTV.com for more exclusive on-demand content or download the official Diddy TV app from your app store today. Hello, hello, and thanks for listening to the Insights Podcast by Diddy TV, where we offer behind-the-scenes interviews with musicians, producers, engineers, and other various and vital contributors to the world of music. On the show today, Amy Wright talks with Tammy Nielsen, a truly inspiring and vibrant artist who has been an active musician virtually her entire life. And speaking of virtually, this conversation takes place over Zoom, because Tammy's actually in New Zealand, where she's been living for nearly two decades. In that time frame, she's released several albums, including Dynamite, Don't Be Afraid, Sassafras, and most recently, Chickaboom and Chickaboom Deluxe. Tammy told us for Chickaboom, she really wanted to strip things back in the tradition of that Sun Records sound, a really driving rhythmic trio that features the voice and the songs. She wanted an album of punchy little firecrackers, and that's exactly what she's got. Let's get to know her a bit, and I'll check back with you later on. You're listening to Insights by Diddy TV. Good afternoon, Tammy. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Great. It's been so long since I've seen you in person, and I can't wait to do that again. But this will have to do for the for the interim. Um, but really appreciate you coming on today and can't wait to talk to you a little bit about uh, your life as an artist, but also about your album, Chickaboom which uh, I was listening to multiple times last night. It's such a fun album, really great songs that are really out there. Your voice is so, so amazing. And then some that were softer that I really liked as well. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But you live in New Zealand. Yeah, so I'm in Auckland and I'm in um, a village actually called Waimoku. We're out near Motowai Beach, which is kind of Northwest Auckland, a little bit out of the out of the city, about half an hour out of the city, near the beach. So yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. And it's um, it's pretty surreal right now, you know? We're, uh, I definitely feel this real, um, I feel like I'm on another planet, not in a different country. You know, normally I, I, I've always felt isolated from, you know, my family, I'm originally from Canada. And, uh, but right now during the pandemic, it's, um, you know, we have zero COVID cases here. And so we're kind of, you know, back to doing gigs and, and touring within New Zealand. Our borders are still closed. But um, so it's very, very surreal to kind of have like this little pocket of almost living in this dream. And all of my family and, and friends overseas are, you know, in lockdowns and which we were a few months ago as well. So it's um, it's. I think we're all going to start feeling that as the different, you know, everyone's in different stages in different places in the world um, as this thing unfolds. Yeah. Well, we're just jealous of you right now because we're all still wearing our masks and not, not going, not touring, not going to concerts. And uh, I think there's a sense of optimism though. I think that people are really looking forward to getting back out there again 
And I think this will be the year to make that happen. Fingers crossed. <laughs> oh, fingers crossed. I sure miss all of my family and friends and fans overseas. You know, um, New Zealand is a small place. We've got like a population of 5 million. So it starts to feel a bit claustrophobic when you know the borders aren't open. Um, but, you know, we were in a severe lockdown for two months of um, our first lockdown, um, got, got everything under control. And then a few months later, ended up having to go into a second lockdown, as is going to be the case as things, you know, reemerge. But um, we've been very fortunate in between times to kind of sneak in gigs here and there. I mean, I had a tour that rescheduled three times, you know, it was supposed to be in June and we went into lockdown and then it was supposed to be in September and we went, that was the second lockdown. I had a real talent for, you know, choosing the months that we were going to go into lockdown and finally got to do the tour. And um, it was so surreal. It was really emotional, you know, as I know all of my fellow musicians can relate to, you know, when you're in lockdown for months um, not seeing anyone and, and feeling like you're never going to perform again. It feels like another alternate reality where we used to be able to tour and hug each other and, and all those things. And, um, and now getting to tour again, the first time I, I went back on stage, I was in the green room with my band and I just broke down in tears. You know, it, 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 I had this really emotional moment where it's, um, you know, it, it felt like getting part of your identity back. And I know that a lot of musicians feel that way during this time. And, you know, there's nothing like that connection, that live connection with your audience. And it's something we feed off of, you know, and to not have it, it's, um, it's really, really a huge challenge for our community. Well, and that's who you are and what you do. And, it is, it is really challenging. Where did you grow up in, in Canada? I grew up in Toronto area. So I read that your family, they, your parents were musicians, right? And they, they toured. And what yeah. were they called? Yeah, so they started out. My dad was a musician from the time he was about, oh, goodness. I think he was 14 when he dropped out of school and started touring um, in a, a band called the Volcanoes. It was the 60s. <laughs> and they opened for people. They lived in, Detroit, uh, sorry, in uh, Sarnia in Ontario, which is the border town for Detroit. So my dad used to get to open for people like the Supremes and Bobby Darren and, you know, all these Motortown, Motown acts. And, and um, so it's a pretty amazing heritage that um, I had growing up. And then he met my mom, who was, you know, a very sensible school teacher. Um, and he said, oh, you know, I'm not going to hire a girl singer and I don't want to be apart from you on tour. So you can sing. Let, join the band, you know. And she was absolutely terrified, um, but joined the band and had, you know, been on tour with my dad for seven years before me and my brothers came along. And, um, and as soon as we were old enough to you know, hold a note. <laughs> we were incorporated into the band. So we started touring full time uh, when I was 12. And we toured for the better part of a de decade across Canada and the States. Um, and uh, that's, you know, when I say I'm from Toronto area, but I grew up 
all over North America. So I kind of feel, you know, equal homesick to, you know, Toronto is my home, but I also have really deep roots with uh, Nashville, where I spent many years. Um, we used to play on the General Jackson showboat that used to be part of the old Opryland theme park, which of course is now like a giant mall. But <laughs> um, yeah, so we, we spent a lot of years putting down roots and forming relationships all around North America and uh, did that until I was in my early 20s. And, um, and then I met a boy who was from New Zealand of all places. And uh, that's, you know, kind of brings us to me moving to the other side of the world and starting all over again without my family this time, which was pretty daunting at the time. Yeah, but that was daunting. But did you meet him in, in the U.S.? Was he traveling here? Uh, no, I actually met him. A girlfriend of mine, a Canadian girlfriend, had married a New Zealander and she moved over here. And so her first year here, she was very homesick and I came over to visit. And that's when they introduced me. I think it was very strategic. They introduced me to like all their male friends, single male friends. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, um, I can remember my mom saying to me at the airport before I came to fly here the first time, she said, don't go and fall in love with anyone over there, please. Like it's the other side of the world. Like if you get farther, you're just getting closer to Canada. Like you can't get any farther uh, than New Zealand. And, um, you know, famous last words. So I was like, oh, are you kidding me? You know, I would never have a long distance relationship like that. It's too hard. I had watched my girlfriend go through it. Um, yeah. And I've been here almost 20 years now. <laughs> Moms always so, know. <laughs> Moms always know. And it, it is funny when you move away from home and, at some point, you might be away from home longer than you were at home. And you think, yeah. well, that's still my home. But now I can officially say I am a New Zealander as well. And, yeah. uh, you know, kind of cl claim that. When uh, when you were growing up, were you homeschooled then if you were touring like that all the time? Or how did you fit school into all the touring? Yeah, so we were homeschooled um, from the time I was about 12 or 13 when we went full-time on tour and not that you have to be but it was quite handy that our mother was originally a school teacher <laughs> so that was uh handy but um obviously as we're all learning during this past year especially that any parent <laughs> can homeschool their children whether they like it or not and yeah evidently <laughs> <laughs> evidently we have to yeah. <laughs> so was it ever in question that you were going to be a musician or did you just from day one, you were so, uh, so engrossed in, in, in it that you never thought you could do something else? Yeah, there's definitely, you know, it's, um, it's pretty hardwired into my DNA, you know, uh, growing up in the music business, I think you kind of don't even think about, I guess, like a lot of people in family businesses, especially, you, you start from a really young age, and it's just part, it's such a lifestyle, especially with musicians, um, that you don't even think about it being a separate thing to you. It's kind of like, this is my identity, whether that's healthy or not is another question. But, <laughs> um, 
Yeah, and it wasn't really until I moved to New Zealand and kind of left the family nest and started my own, you know, uh, my own life here. That was kind of a, a crossroads. The first time I'd ever actually asked myself the question, I, you know, I could be anything. I don't have all of the infrastructure that I've had to support me my whole life. Um, and I, you know, thought about it for about one second um, and quickly realized that it was, I didn't know how to do anything else. <laughs> well, and, and both of your brothers are uh, musicians as well. Yeah, well, one of my brothers, um, so Jay, is the one who does a lot of co-writing with me. He features heavily on the Tickaboom album. Uh, normally, when I tour internationally outside of New Zealand, and sometimes even within New Zealand, he's in my band. And um, so that has been one of the hardest parts of this past year. I haven't seen my family for over a year. And not knowing when I'm going to see them again, um, because they've always been such an integral part of my music, um, even when I was across the world. So Jay, you know, co-writes with me. He's co-produced with me. And then my other brother, Todd, my youngest brother, is the one who does m most of my visuals. So all of the music videos that you lovely people play um, on your station uh, are usually produced and directed by my brother Todd uh, with his company Valiant Made. And um, he also does like the artwork for all of my albums. So he's not as much in the uh, hands-on touring musician uh, part of it anymore. He still plays. Uh, he was always the drummer in our band, but, um, but he tends to, his creativity is now very much in you know, the design and visuals and production. So I'm pretty lucky to have, you know, all these uh, talented guys at my fingertips who, you know, I don't have to pay that much because they're related and <laughs> get, get, get family rates. <laughs> so you co-write a lot of songs, but you also write your own songs by yourself. And you put out an album for the first time by yourself, what was that like? Was that scary? Very, yeah. I mean, my first album um, was really kind of a demo. I was I was moving to New Zealand and I quickly kind of scrabbled together a bunch of home demos Jay and I had done. And I think I recorded maybe two or three songs in a studio to try to cobble together something to take with me to New Zealand to kind of show like, this is who I am and uh, have something in hand, almost like a, you know, musical business card, if you will. And so that was, uh, you know, not, I guess not necessarily, I look at that album as not being totally representative of me. Um, I wasn't really fully formed as a solo artist. I, it was kind of bits and pieces of everything and then the two albums that I recorded after that, I flew back home and they were called the Kitchen Table Sessions. And they were little, literally recorded around my brother's kitchen table, all acoustic, you know. And I simply didn't know anyone here yet. I didn't have that network of musicians that I'd kind of fallen back on. And um, so it wasn't until really the Dynamite album. And that was the first album that I'd ever gone into a professional studio with musicians who were not related to me. <laughs> and uh, it was a very 
very different experience for me. Obviously, it's a very normal experience for everyone else. But um, and and that was the first time I, you know, it had taken. I'd been here, gosh, probably five years by then or more. And I'd finally established, you know, who my people were in New Zealand. I had my band and the people I had collaborated with, like Marlon Williams and Delaney Davidson. And and um, and so that album, I definitely had focus of like, ah, this is who I am without, you know, that 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 family nest. Uh, this is this is who I am as a solo artist. And so that Dynamite album is definitely kind of the. I guess what I see in my personal um, journey as kind of my breakthrough album and, and kind of emerging fully formed. Well, I have to say New Zealand loves you. Uh, you've won multiple awards, 2009, 10, I think 12, 14. And I don't know, they keep going on and on about how many awards you've won, including best country album. And I was, I was sort of struck by the fact that they, they call it country and I was going to ask you what you think is the difference between New Zealand country and, say, Nashville pop country, as we call it. And obviously we have Americana over here, too. So what, what, what would you say is the difference in what New Zealand calls country? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, New Zealand, they've always classified me as country um, because I have definite threads and you know that's that's a very strong thread through all my music but you know I would classify myself definitely more as Americana because I cover such a range of roots music when it comes to you know blues and rockabilly and soul and country and all of those things kind of for me are in the same family so they're all you know they're all related to each other and so that's the music I make but I think that people kind of uh, in New Zealand, that's the most, you know, kind of mainstream country that they have here. Um, they don't really connect with pop country as much as, say, Australia does. Australia has uh, quite a big pop country scene. But New Zealanders tend to be, um, I don't know, uh very DIY, you know, and, and they, I guess because of how we're isolated, uh, we make the music we want to make. And uh, we're not near a central hub of the music business. You know, we're not, we don't have that direct influence of Nashville or LA, you know, or New York, you know, we don't have kind of those central hubs that tend to influence and draw musicians so if you kind of live in that area i think it kind of by osmosis you can kind of you know you start to take in what everyone else is doing and and that can really kind of um uh influence what you do subliminally almost you know i know this from from living in nashville i started to kind of write uh for either artists around me or what was the latest hit and and that's what you kind of aim for um whereas in new zealand i find it's very i find it really refreshing you know that they create the music they want to create um but country music in particular when i first arrived here 
I was I was in dire straits because it was um, very much viewed as your grandparents' music. You know, you and and when I went on my first tour as support for another artist, it, it was just an an audience of white hair, and I kind of thought, what have I done? Like, what have I done? Like, what's ha- what's going on with country music here? And um, and it kind of almost skipped this generation, you know, because that the generation of like my parents um, and and grandparents here, um, they you know in the eighties and there was a it, it was like country music was at its heyday. They had a primetime television show called That's Country. Um, they had artists that were uh, traveling to Nashville and um, having really successful careers. Um, but a lot of New Zealand music was just American covers. And so all of the country music, there wasn't a lot of, or, or any really original country music at that time. And, and, um, and, and so I think it kind of skipped that generation of like, well, that's American music. That's not our music. I don't think they had like this sense of ownership with it. Um, and connection. And uh, when I arrived there, there was, you know, um, as I said, like quite an older audience. And then over the past decade, there's been a real groundswell of this other younger generation coming up. And I think I mentioned Marlon Williams, who is, you know, one of our most successful artists here. And he is definitely lands in the more Americana category. You know, I think his latest album is with uh, Casey and Clayton. And if you watched A Star is Born with Lady Gaga, um, the scene where they play the Grammys and Brandy Carlisle sings Pretty Woman with a young man, that young man is Marlon Williams from New Zealand, a very good friend of mine. And, and so I, th- it was starting to kind of have this groundswell of, of a younger generation coming up. And even pop country, we have, you know, amazing artist Kaylee Bell, who is very different to me, but nails, you know, that real pop country genre. Before this was, you know, uh, doing songs with Keith Urban and doing, heading to Nashville every few months to do writing sessions and playing amazing festivals. So there is definitely, you know, New Zealanders, um, do connect, I think, a little bit more to the folk and storytelling side of country music as opposed to kind of the shiny pop um, side of country music. So they, they tend to gravitate more toward uh, the stories and the songwriting. And I think a lot of that has to do, some of the largest country music audiences in New Zealand are the Indigenous First Nations uh, Modi uh, people, because they, you know, their heritage and culture is about telling stories and sitting around with their community and everyone has their guitars and we're all, they're all singing. And, and so there's a very rich um, appreciation for country music in those indigenous communities, which is a large part of New Zealand culture. So it's, it's funny how uh, the dynamics are really different. Um, you know, coming from North America, you kind of, I always assumed like, oh, there's going to be country music radio stations and 
music video and, you know, platforms. Um, and there was nothing at all. And it was kind of starting from not even from scratch because there was, there was just nothing uh, to support country artists within New Zealand. Um, and you, I think we kind of take for granted in North America that it's such a part of our culture. Um, and it's one of our most successful genres that, um, that you know, it's, there's, it's going to be like that everywhere. <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> so I'm very much considered niche. I'm quite niche in New Zealand. Well, and it seems like your timing was good, that there were other artists that sort of started coming up at about the same time you were coming up in New Zealand, and maybe that was helpful. But it's not always bad to be niche. Niche can no. be uh, individual and, uh, and one of a kind. So that, that can be a, a great spot to be in, depending. And I know that uh, New Zealanders, obviously, like I mentioned earlier, love you. They've given you all sorts of awards. And I have to say, I was watching one of your videos, Big Boss Mama. Mm -hmm. And first of all, it's hilarious. And your voice is amazing. And you're, you star in it, obviously. I was sort of reading that uh, you had been asked by the prime minister to play for her. And then I was looking at the video and I thought, were you thinking of her when you made the video? Or what were you thinking when you made Big, Big Boss Mama? Oh, totally. So when uh, that was my brother, Todd, who um, produced that video. And he said, I would love to, um, you know, if you can give me a list of women throughout history that you admire and that are, uh, you know, inspirational to you that were just boss women, you know? Um, and so he kind of had some women already shot that he had started filming uh, different sequences. Like he did Cleopatra and uh, Queen Elizabeth and uh, Annie Oakley. And then uh, I gave him my list and, um, you know, to cover kind of, Indigenous Canadian, that side for me, um, Buffy St. Marie is, is one of my heroes. Um, and then I said, you know, for my New Zealand side, um, I wanted to have Jacinda Ardern depicted in the video uh, as our prime minister. And um, at the time she was like massively pregnant. Uh, it was her first year as prime minister and she was pregnant and 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 part I I did uh, toy with the thought of asking her to actually do it, um, but we were under time constraints, and so Todd said, "I'll just get an actress that looks like her." And 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 then right when he was shooting, that was when she was she'd actually had her daughter, and she was on I think like two weeks maternity leave. You know, when you're running a country, you don't get to have that long. And um, and so it was right at that time where she was having having Neve, her daughter. And uh, about a year later, uh, the, the video was up for an award and Jacinda was at the, she's our Minister of Arts and Culture as well. So she was attending the awards and presenting and uh, she came up to me and, and, uh, and said, you know, you could have just asked me to do it. <laughs> and I said, well, you were kind of busy like giving birth. <laughs> um, and it was actually right when you were on maternity leave. I didn't want to bother you. And she's like, well, next time. So I'm going to hold her to that. 
next time I shoot a video featuring Jacinda, it, it will be the real Jacinda. <laughs> well, we will play that on Diddy. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you now. And, uh, and well, you're a mom too, right? So what is it like yeah. to balance that uh, life as a musician where you have to be gone a lot with being a mom? Well, this year has been like, you know, while it's been one of the most challenging as a musician, not being able to tour, it's been the silver lining has been the greatest gift of getting an entire year where I am home with my children. I said, you know, I was saying to my husband, like, how many times have I sat in a green room in Europe crying almost wishing for this very thing, <laughs> not this very thing, but <laughs> not quite this way, but wishing that, you know, I could just jump off the treadmill and be home with my kids. And, um, and so it's definitely this past year has been a gift, but prior to that with touring uh, for the past, you know, uh, five years, really, um, while they've been small, that has definitely been one of the, it's probably the biggest challenge I face as a musician um, who's also a parent. And um, it just becomes, uh, there's no spontaneity anymore. There's no impulsive, like, you know, you have this amazing opportunity if you can get on a plane in 24 hours. And it's like, nah, <laughs> that does not happen in my world. Um, so it's a lot of planning and it's also having that, um, real network, you know, they say it takes a village and it does, um, having that, uh, you know, having a, a husband who sees our marriage as equal and balanced. And so when I'm looking after the kids, you know, I'm supporting him. And when I'm, uh, when he's looking after the kids, he's supporting me in my career. And, um, and we're raising two little boys that are hopefully going to grow up and see that's the way partnerships work. Um, that's the way that marriage should work, uh, that you are equally uh, valuable. Your, your time is equally valuable. Your dreams and your passions and your goals and, and uh, are equally valuable and that, you know, you parent equally as well. And um as it should be. And my, my kids don't know any different. And I think that's, that's great, you know, and I guess I was really lucky, even though my parents were of a generation where that equality was not the norm. I mean, it's still not the norm. Um, but for my parents, you know, both being musicians, I had both my parents 24 seven, uh, you know, so they parented totally equally. So that's, that's normal to me. And that's what I expected of whoever I was going to share my life with. And so it's, you know, it, it always makes me internally chuckle and cringe at the same time. Uh, I can remember going away to play a festival on a weekend and, uh, and Grant, my husband decided to stay home with the boys instead of coming along. Cause sometimes it's, it's actually harder work for him to pack everything up and come along while I'm, I'm working. And so this weekend he decided to just stick around the, the house with the boys. And uh, one of my male colleagues said, so what are the boys doing this weekend? And I said, oh, they're, they're having a boys weekend, you know, hanging out with, with dad. And he's like, oh, that is so amazing. You know, you're so lucky. You know, he's such a hands-on dad. 
And I kind of laughed and, and he looked at me like, you know, why am I laughing? And I said, can you imagine flipping that conversation? Can you imagine my husband going to work in his office on Monday morning and one of his colleagues saying, where are your kids? Like, where are the boys? And, and him saying, oh, they're, they're home with Tammy. Oh, isn't that amazing? I mean, you are so lucky. She's such a hands-on mom. It's like, you know, it sounds ridiculous the other way around. Um, and, and it does, it does sound ridiculous. I mean, I, I was talking to a friend one day who said she overheard her husband say, I've got to babysit my kids this weekend, so I can't do that. <laughs> and so, oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. I can't. So, uh, I'm like, when they're your children and your blood is running through their veins, it's called parenting, not babysitting. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, Oh, well, you're, you're, you are very lucky to have someone who's so equal in your relationship. It's so important. It's important for everybody to have that equality and that support because it makes everything easier in life to just uh, have things be on an equal footing. And, uh, and as a musician, obviously, and as a woman, um, there could be challenges there, but it's it's uh, fantastic that you you have someone who is is so supportive. Um, so let's talk Chickaboom. I love the name. What, how did you come up with the name Chickaboom? I, I guess I love you know to me the word Chickaboom is just you know it's explosive and it's punchy and powerful and um, I like that it kind of also incorporates the word chick, which can kind of be. Uh, a lot of times viewed as a derogatory female term um, and, and includes that to kind of spin it into a powerful um, narrative as well. Maybe boom being power, so chick power. Yeah, so. yeah like chick goes boom, you know, chick a boom. I liked it. <laughs> well, I like all the tracks on the album and I was listening to it. The two that were my favorite were the slow ones just because I thought the harmonies were just beautiful. And I know that your uh, brother was uh, participating on this album and he hadn't done so in a while. And, and I read that it was important to have maybe a little more family involved in this particular album. But these songs, Tell Me That You Love Me and Sleep, were just beautiful. Nothing in the world beats blood harmonies. You know, there's, there's just no one on this planet that can blend with my voice the way that, that my brother does. So that's really special to have. Uh, those recordings, even while we can't perform them together right now. Um, I'm, I'm so grateful that we got to record that album together. And he flew over to New Zealand for a few weeks while we uh, recorded it. And um, I got to perform it with him for, you know, a good half a year <laughs> before things literally went boom, chicka boom. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really, really special. And I just love, you know, especially in any fool with a heart, um, there are moments where you kind of can't distinguish which part, who's singing what part, you know, the voices kind of weave in and out. And um, I recently, when I did my New Zealand tour, which Jay was supposed to be on, but of course he couldn't uh, come over for that. I had a girlfriend of mine who's a wonderful artist, folk artist, uh, Nadia Reed she came on tour with me and, and guested on that song. And she said, Oh yes, yes. I'd love to sing it with you. And then when we went to sing it, she said, you've got to be kidding me. Like, 
<laughs> she's like, you guys just like switch parts and you're kind of weaving in and out. Like this is, it's not easy for someone who's kind of not got that, you know, um, got it in their, the same blood in their veins. <laughs> kind of uh, navigate that quite as easily. But um, oh, she did, she did a great job. But yeah, that, that song is a really, really special one. Well, touring, that just sounds like it has such a nice ring to it. I can't wait till we're all able to come to go to live music shows and for artists to be able to tour. And hopefully that, like I said, is this year. Do you think you'll tour in the States for Chickaboom? Uh, you know, I wish I could pull out my crystal ball and, and, and you know, the number of t- we've had so many shows that were rescheduled or that were canceled um, that you know, with all my heart, uh, I would love to be over there playing as soon as possible, as soon as it's uh, safe to do so. And, and, uh, and that I can, you know, get out of the the country (laughs) legally. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, I mean, the opportunities, that's one of the things I think all of us have in the music community have, have really had to grieve and process this past year is the lost opportunities, you know, and I still think about it and I have dreams about it. You know, I was supposed to play uh, Willie Nelson's ranch at Luck Reunion um, a few weeks ago. I got an email from Dollywood saying they'd like me to perform. And it's like, these are all like my bucket list. Like I could die happy, you know, Um, but they're just not attainable right now. And I guess my hope is that they will still be there um, and I will still be able to do those things in the not too distant future. And I definitely feel, you know, because we're kind of returning to a sense of normality here in New Zealand, which can change overnight. I know that disclaimer, but we're having pockets of normal normalcy and um, normalcy. And and that is it fuels your hope. And, you know, when we first got to go back on tour within New Zealand. Um, I really had, I struggled with the disconnect of posting things on my social media where I know all of my fans overseas and my friends and my family could see what was happening and struggling with not being insensitive to that because it wasn't long before that I was in that same spot. And, um, And so I said, you know, I struggle a lot with, I don't know whether to post or to geo block things. And overwhelmingly the response was no, please keep posting because it gives us hope. And it gives us hope that this is happening somewhere in the world and that we will get back to it. Um, but, But it's still bizarre to see, you know, within New Zealand, we had a band play you know a 20,000 capacity concert and that still feels so strange to me I I look at it with people without masks I look out at my audiences of maskless people and there's definitely you're fighting those little pangs of anxiety you know looking out and going you know that that initial like that's okay yeah and it's it's gonna be when we do get back to touring internationally and, and in North America, uh, it will be a very emotional time for everyone. Um, 
but it will also be a beautiful time. And I think that we can, we can hold that hope. Well, in the words of the South, come on down to Memphis and see us, Tammy. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll have you as soon as you can get over here. And I just want to say so great talking to you and love Chickaboom and uh, love, love you and your music in general. But uh, can't wait to see you in person at some point. So thanks again for coming by. Oh, you too. Thank you for having me. So good to see your face. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this conversation with Tammy Nielsen. Don't forget to visit DiddyTV.com for more exclusive on-demand content and to download the official Diddy TV app from your app store today. Thanks. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.